what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets! Free at last! Thank you! We're free! Free! Damian Lillard has been traded. This is your Damian Lillard trade emergency episode. On today's show, we'll break down everything that you need to know about the Damian Lillard trade. We'll talk about the basketball side of it, and we'll give you betting insights, including some best bets that are, well, going to be pretty interesting. We're going to talk about things one way, and we're going to bet him another, and it's going to be fascinating to do that with me, NBA Futures Analyst Brandon Anderson. want to let you know, today's show is brought to you by the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. Make sure to go to BetMGM for all your betting needs. Make sure to download the Action Network app. You can track your picks. You can get my content on the Damian Lillard trade this episode of the podcast, as well as all of our stuff. I was on Green Dot Daily today. I've been running around with my head cut off pretty much since the trade went through this afternoon. Uh, we will break it all down in detail. You can also, by the way, go to youtube.com and check out the Action Network YouTube page, and you can find a video version of this show and all of our other ones if you want to make sure to catch shows like Green Dot Daily. And we have other NBA-specific shows we're going to be announcing as we get closer to the season. Don't miss out. Go to the Action Network YouTube page and subscribe right now. Okay, Brandon, this morning I got up and I woke up to a bunch of texts, which are, it's happening today. And I was like, oh... And I was like, who is it? And they were like, probably Miami. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And like, I had no reason not to think that. Uh, It was not Miami. It was, in fact, the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Adenkampo and Damian Lillard are teammates for the first time in their careers. Obviously, the absolute best teammates that either one of them have had in their career. The deal sees Damian Lillard go to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Portland Trailblazers receive Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton from the Suns, Tumani Camera, Milwaukee's first-round pick in 2029, unprotected, and Milwaukee swap rights in 2028 and 2030. The Suns receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen from the Bucks, Nasir Little, sneaky pickup there, from the Blazers, as well as Keon Johnson, another sneaky pickup there for the Suns. We'll break it all down. We're going to do this basketball first and then we'll break down the betting side and the reason i say that is some some content out there that work in our space are going to be like love this team gotta bet them now to win the you wait the thing the number is what matters here you got to be smart about how you approach these things we're going to do that for you right here let's start though with the milwaukee bucks brandon uh, Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo seems like a pretty good pair. I don't know about you, but I feel like that's a pretty good one too. Yeah, you know, it seems like a pretty good one-two punch to start out on a team, right? Like, seems like where'd want to go? You get Giannis, you get Dame. We know the one big glaring spot in Giannis's game is that we need somebody to go, you know, in a very important crunch time at the end of a game, get a few shots up, make some shots. Hey, you know, who's pretty good at that. Damian Lillard, the guy who's literally his nickname is named after his ability to do the thing in game time. Like that's been the one blind spot that this team has had 
It's not Drew Holiday's game. It's never been Drew Holiday's game. It wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be Chris Middleton's role. It still will be at times, but that was always a, this is the best we can do solution for it. Now you got Dame. So Dame and Giannis, you still have Brooke Lopez, second in Defensive Player of the Year uh, rating a year ago. Obviously, Giannis won the award. So there still is a bunch of defense. There's no Drew Holiday. So I have some questions about what this means uh, defensively. I think, to me, my big takeaway is I think we have a slightly higher ceiling, but I also think we have a significantly lower floor. At least in the regular season, that's the takeaway. In the playoffs, when you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you get to the finals, that's what the move is for. That's when we have seen time and again, I love Drew Holiday. I know you love Drew Holiday. Like, every basketball nerd adores Drew Holiday. He's not the guy that you want with the ball in the hands in the conference finals or finals when you got to make a shot. He's just not. That's not his game. It's not what he's supposed to be. Dame is the guy you want to do that. So I think that's the part where the ceiling gets raised is having that guard with the ball in his hands doing the thing at the biggest stage. That's what Miami wanted and did not get here. It's what the Milwaukee Bucks got. And frankly, uh, you and I both were pretty down on the long-term outlook for this team. This felt to me a lot like the late stages of early Cleveland LeBron, where it was like, well, we did the moves and our roster's old and there's nothing left. And yeah, you're pretty much going to leave. I think they kind of had to do this. It's a high cost. They traded all the picks for Drew Holiday already, got a championship, so I'm not saying they didn't get that, but they traded all the picks, now added three more picks, and their starting shooting guard from a roster that has no depth on it. But they got Dame, and they kind of had to go all in. Hopefully this means they get the Giannis uh, signature on the extension too. I think you have to feel good. If you're a Bucks fan, you got to feel pretty good today, right? Yeah, I think uh, there's a there's like multiple levels to this, right? There's um, what does the team look like next year, which is awesome. What does their chances of winning the championship look like better? And then it's also what are the chances that you're going to keep Giannis on and Kumpo? And those went way up. Like Giannis goes on a media tour and basically says like, look, I want to win championships. And whether it's here or somewhere else, that's what I want to do. And there was a marked shift in how we talked about things. And a lot of this is, when stars start start talking in that about in those kind of terms, it almost becomes a self defeating prophecy because the minute the guys might leave, other guys don't want to play there because you're like, I don't want to get stuck. Like I don't want to, I don't want to no. get stuck there if he departs. Like I don't want to be the one holding the bag. And so they make this move effectively gambling on two things: one that this will work out and convince Dame, convince Giannis to stay, and that two that in doing this they're able to change kind of that dynamic and shift it around and that dame will want to play with Giannis since there had been so much noise from dame's camp that he was gonna set a trash can on fire and he was gonna graffiti inside the bathrooms and all this nonsense that no one ever believed and so now you and it's worked out like dame's already like tweeting about the bucks like it's very clear and like chris haynes is talking about how those two wanted to play together so it's it really is kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, he probably would have preferred Miami, but he's not going to complain about playing with Giannis. He's totally fine with that. And it's uh surprise of all surprises. They make it work. 
you talked about the floor. I think that's interesting. So one of the things I've, I've kind of said on Twitter is I was like, look, this team's old and thin. And that's true. Yep. When they have all their guys, they're, this is going to be one of those with a net rating where like um, the Dame, Giannis, Brooke <laughs> lineups are plus 25 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like they're going to wreck teams by the end of the year once they work out the kinks. Like they got very little time to figure it out before training camp. It's going to take a while. But once they do, they're going to destroy teams in those lineups where Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Dame are on the floor together. Those lineups will cook. Uh, but in games where Chris Middleton's got a knee injury, and so now Jay Crowder's starting, or Marjan Beauchamp is starting, um, those games where Giannis has got knee soreness and needs to sit out, and it's Bobby Portis. The, the thing here I will say is, like, some of this gets raised. Like, when Giannis sits, would you rather have Drew or Dame? You'd rather have Dame. Like, yeah. you, you'd just rather have Dame. And that's not a slight on Drew. That's just, you'd rather have Dame. Because Dame can go for 40 one night when Giannis is out, and you win that. And if nothing else, it's easier. Like, it really is. You don't have to, like, scrape and claw and really, like, try and buckle down defensively to scrape <laughs> out a win. You can win these games. But look, when Brooke Lopez is out, Robin Lopez come, is probably going to be the backup center. And that's a good replacement. Like, Rob, Rolo's still really good, but he's not Brooke. And especially, I think, once you start to see multiple, that's where we start to have concerns. If 35-year-old Brooke Lopez misses a game at the same time that 34-year-old Chris Middleton misses a game, and Dame's 34, by the way, too, when a combination of the three old players in the starting lineup miss time, or two of them with Giannis, now all of a sudden, like, we see a floor drop. But, like, look... The defense is going to be worse. It's probably not going to be as elite as it has been because you had Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Giannis. Those are three pillars that are honestly top five defenders, top 10 defenders in the NBA. But the offensive floor is just so much higher and Dame's presence will make it easier on Giannis. All those possessions, when teams are selling out on Giannis inside, it's a lot harder to do when Damian Lillard's on the floor. Because even if you don't send help from Dame's guy, Dame's guy may have to rotate if they get the ball moving. When they face teams where Giannis has trouble because they bring layers of physicality, Dame can rise up and fire from distance. Finding teams that can match both Giannis's physicality and Dame's scoring acumen, there are like three of them in the NBA. <laughs> and so... Yeah. Like their their capacity, I think, is really high. This this team, um, I have upgraded them five wins. They have gone from a forty eight wow. win team to a fifty three win team in my projections. I upgraded them two points, which was that was at like I went up on Dame, and then I went back on Drew because Drew was really good this year, right? And so like that's the process that I took with this is, and then like Grayson Allen's like a quarter of a point. Um, and that's like, honestly, pretty nice to Grayson in, in regular season terms, but I've upgraded them from 48 to 53. Uh, my bucks under bet, which was one of the first bets that I put in and was very strong on that coming of the year. It's dead. I think they're winning 50. I don't know. Like it would take catastrophic luck, which is entirely possible, but unlikely for the bucks not to win 50 games. Like well, what was a, the number that you played? 49 and a half. I played 40. I played 51 and a half. Okay. So I might be okay. Um, the question, though, is how to, to to bet this team. Are we ready to go there yet, or do you want to talk some more about the basketball side? Uh, just a little bit. I want to respond to I, – I, you 
I think are higher on this team regular season than I am. I do not think this raises them by five wins this year. I don't have a win total yet. I'm going to have to come back to that. So we'll get to it on the win totals pod when we get there. But I was going to ask pretty specifically, are we sure that the like clearly upgrade on offense, clearly downgrade on defense? The question is how much? How much of which side? So last year, Milwaukee finished fourth in defensive rating, 12th in offensive rating. That's where they're at. The season before, they were third in offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating. So what happened? Well, the 14th in defense that year was no Brooke Lopez pretty much the whole season. The bad offense last year, 12th, mediocre offense. Chris was basically out all season. So the question is, if they drop from like fourth, if they drop, basically flip back to what they were before and go back toward middle of the pack, like fringe top 10 defense, but now you are number three in offense. That'd be my guess where I'm going to end up with them. Because like, frankly, if I remember right, Damian Lillard with whatever guys you put around him in Portland for years has basically been a top three offense just unto himself with, you know, with other good guys around him. But, you know, Giannis, Chris, we're going to have plenty of help there. So if we flip from a fringe top 10 offense and a, an elite defense to a fringe top 10 defense and an elite offense, usually that's going to be a slightly to your advantage setup in the NBA, but I don't think it's five wins to your advantage. And, and I think too, like, I'm not even positive that I'm just thinking this through out loud. We're emergency reacting. So I, I reserve the right to rescind this take. I'm not positive that this actually increases their playoff chances either. When the Milwaukee Bucks won a championship, which they did, they did it with defense. They did it with just enough offense and just enough shots. But the only reason they even had a chance to hit just enough shots is because they had outrageous defensive numbers. That's gone. It's not happening anymore. It's not going to be close to that with no Drew Holiday there. They don't have a point of attack defender anymore on the team. They got they got Dame and Jay Crowder. And we don't have, by the way, we don't have a backup point guard on the team. We didn't before, but we certainly don't now. I guess Washington slander, sir. Yeah, well, I stand by that. I don't I don't reserve the right to rescind that one. I think the bag of point guards probably Malik Beasley right now or Pat Connaughton. Like that's basically our options. Maybe it's Andre Jackson, my my guy at rookie. I, I don't think it's gonna be him. It's just I don't know. I think I, you're I think you're I think you're 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 putting too much of the defensive acumen on Drew, who was good last year, but wasn't the level of impact defender that you're making him out to be. He honestly started to slide a little bit and you're underrating how pivotal it is just to have Giannis and, and, and Brooke. Like you have the best, you still have arguably the best rim protector. You're the best drop defender in the league. I, I think it's an interesting question in terms of the playoff stuff, right? Because I've criticized for years, a combination of Dame who can only, who, who needs to play more versatile schemes and Nurkic who can only play drop. Right. And yeah. so I'm trying to balance this of, well, you're still going to have to play drop. Brooke can honestly, he's gotten way better at switching and playing higher. And that's kind of like the difference here is that like when Nurk plays drop, it's Nurk's going to stand under the rim and put his hands up and try and, and try and honestly murder you and put you in the hospital with physicality. Brooke's just like a really like high acumen defender. He's just really smart. So he can play high. He can play mid drop. He can play low drop. Like Brooke Lopez is, is such an imp- improvement over use of Nurkic. I can't even conceptualize how to describe that i get what you're saying about the perimeter about the perimeter stuff where you're like point of attack is still gonna be a problem and you're right 
but that's compensated so incredibly much by the number one player last season in offensive EPM. Number one, a three-level <laughs> scorer good. that can he shoot was from really good. <laughs> Yeah, the, a, a three-level scorer that can shoot from 35 feet. Uh, one of, and a passer who has seen almost everything. Now, look, two at the level is still going to give Dame problems. I don't think this, this is a juggernaut. Like, I've got him 53. I still have the Celtics considerably ahead of them. I have the Celtics, for, and we'll talk about that. But I do think that when you're talking about, like, as when we get into these ranges of how you like to approach talking about these yeah. teams, I think this is a top five team on both ends of the floor still. And a lot of that is based off of if they were 13th last year offensively, mm. you do need, you, we need to, to consider the context of Chris Middleton missing effectively until February. Oh, absolutely. And made sure he was completely right. Yeah, he basically, and even when he played, he, he was bad. He was not healthy. So, yeah, I'll give you top five on offense with Dame. I, I push back on the defense. I don't think they're, I don't think they're necessarily there now. I think it's a pretty big swing. Okay. Well, if, if you're listening to this and you think that Brandon's compelling about the defense being not that quite that good, you've kind of got an approach to take. If you think that I'm right about being really good, guess what? You have the same approach because let's talk about the numbers because the market completely lost its mind. Um, <laughs> all right, so I upgraded them five. Woohoo! Hey, look how positive I am. Yeah, their win total is 55 and a half now. 55 and a half with a rookie coach and no depth. Yeah. I'm going to have to bet it again, Brandon. I don't want to. I don't <laughs> want to bet the under on the Bucks. I think this team's going to be great. I think Giannis and Dame are going to be absolutely sensational. The league wants the guys to play more, and they probably will. This is Dame's like first real chance at a championship. But God, 55 and a half screams play the under on a completely new roster construction. Yes, Chris and Brooke and Drew and Giannis, sorry, know how to play together with Pat Connaughton. But everybody else is new with a rookie head coach. How do I not play the under here at 55 and a half? You, you have to play the under. You, you told me that number just before we hit record and like my, my jaw dropped. I was like, what? That's the number now? I definitely see the case and probably think that this team gets better for the postseason for all the damn reasons. I'm not sure that I think that they really improved in the regular season. Like if, if the defense thing, you know me, you know how I do the win totals. Defense is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And we know that Coach Bud and what this defense was gave this team, and, and Giannis, that three gave them such a high floor in the past. Now, if the defense is not what it was at some level and Bud is gone, maybe Giannis plus Dame is the such a high floor and it's overthinking it and that's that. That's possible. Uh, 55.5 is a really high number. You listen to our, actually, listen to our episode that will drop probably a day after this episode on how to bet win totals where we will not have covered this specific case, but win totals 50 and higher go under. That's the trend that you've got. And 55 and a half is a lot higher than the 50. It's a very high win total. Like we had, how many teams hit 55 and a half last year? The Bucks won 58. So maybe that's the argument. It's like the Bucks, the team that won 58, but a lot of the underlying metrics said like at basketball reference, they won 58. They were expected to win 50. So again, we know how the win totals work with all that stuff. It doesn't necessarily fix itself, but this team played like a 50-ish win team plus healthier Chris factored in. But I'm not sure we just get to factor in all the health either. 
Dame is old and has had some health issues in recent years. O- older, older. I'm 40. He's young, whatever. Chris has all the injury factors. Giannis quietly like misses 15, 20 games a year, every year, Myth, and has know, an injury right now that he didn't play the World Cup with. So we're probably going to start the season slow because we're going to be adjusting to a totally new defense and partnership and all that. Brooke Lopez is a, is a older big man and Rolo. That's it for the big men that like everyone on this team screams 60 game player, all the important guys. Like there's, there's, we're going to miss a lot of games from these guys. I don't want there to be, I want to just see them all be together and be the amazing like Megatron and, and crush everyone. And we'll get some of those games. You're right about the net rating. Like we're going to see the on-court rating with these three guys is going to be absurd numbers for some of these. It's going to be great. But yeah, th- those those things are part of it. I think under 55 and a half, uh, I-, I have not readjusted my numbers, but it's hard for me to imagine that's not going to be like a top three to five win total play for me. I don't know how you, certainly I cannot tell you to bet the over. We will not be telling you to bet the over 55 and a half. It is an under or pass. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think this is the favorite to be the one seed in the regular season, but that's a more of a niche market. How about the playoffs? Is this the East favorite? Is this the title favorite? Yes. I mean, immediately moved in that direction. So the Bucks jump at BetMGM to plus 400 to win the title, plus 175 to win the Eastern Conference. <sighs> Um, uh, what, what can you give you? Do we have the numbers from before? Do we have a before and after? Yeah. So the movement looks like, um, it was substantial. There were eight hundreds in the market for title and they jumped to 400. Okay. So we look at, at those, at those kind of numbers, as far as like how this has gone and what direction it's moved. Um, the, Celtics, as a kind of consequence of this, who we'll talk about, uh, they were plus 470 in the market in some places, plus 450 I saw at one spot, and are now plus 500. So as a consequence of this, the Celtics odds directly go down, which I will talk about in a second. Um, and then we'll talk about the other m- markets that move. So let's t- let's kind of like talk here. Um, I don't mind if you want to bet the Bucks to win the title. Um, they have Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. That seems good. <laughs> Uh, but there is no way I can tell you about it now. Uh, do Correct. we remember the, like, let's go back to the trade deadline. The Suns trade yep. for Kevin Durant and they instantly jump to favorite status. KD misses some time and the Suns do like, okay. And then like they slide back and you get a better number. Uh, we, I talk pretty routinely about how for title bets, you can still get really good value before the NBA playoffs and you get six months of information. Like we're still talking about like long numbers here. Uh, the Bucks will either be a buy low spot then because they will have underperformed in the regular season or had guys missing. And we'll be like, yeah, but you know, and we'll tell you why to bet it then. Or we'll know this team is awesome. They're the best team in basketball. They look absolutely dominant. And this number is here. But part of this is also Brandon and I are so we're in step on the Celtics. No way that can go wrong. That there is a very good possibility the Bucks aren't even the one seed. And therefore they won't have home court. And therefore 
it is almost impossible. Like it would take it being like if the Cavaliers got the one seed because they had an outrageous regular season, the Bucks would still be the Eastern Conference favorite. But if the Celtics or if the Sixers got a, a trade upgrade for James Harden, if they figured out something magical and pulled it out, there would be then like that that there would be like a different kind of structure there. What I'm trying to say is. I don't think that you should bet Eastern Conference title futures right now, period. But you in particular should not be betting the Milwaukee Bucks because this is a market overreaction in the in light of the trade based on the hype. Yeah, we're uh, we're in lockstep on that. That's precisely my reaction. So I don't have too much to add to it. I, I went immediately to the Suns Nuggets thing last year at the deadline, just like you did. And I remember as soon as that happened, we went in the Slack, me, you, and Joe Delera. And what are we going to write about? And all three of us were like, Nuggets title odds, nuggets, nuggets to come out. Like that was the reaction. So I immediately went to, okay, Celtics, here we go. This is the team that I'm in on. And like the number barely even moved, which I think is, is telling. Uh, we don't have the numbers right now, but if you could go through and like add up all the implied percentages of the East teams to come out of the East, pretty much what happened is like, you know, there's, there's juice in here. This is how betting works. So before the title or before this trade today, I'm going to guess all those numbers added up to like 112% or something. If that's the juice that was in. Effectively, we didn't lower anyone's odds that much worth noticing and just like doubled the box odds. So now there's like 120% chance of all the teams in the East coming out of the East. And like that alone is, it should be an immediate red flag that this is not a, a bettable market right now. To put it a different way, you said for the box title odds, 800 before that's a plus 800 is about an 11% implied plus 400 where they're at right now is a 20% implied. We're literally reacting to this trade in the market that we just doubled Milwaukee's title odds. I can't get there. I cannot get there on we doubled the odds. Are they better? Yeah, I think so. I think any one of us would think, yes, the title odds are better, but it, did they jump from 11% to 20%? I can't get there. And I didn't like the 11% before either. So I don't even know if that was the fair number to start with, let alone jumping to... 20% odds now. So I'm with you. I'm not going to tell you that the Bucks can't win the title. I don't think that. I'm not going to tell you don't bet the Bucks to win the title. I don't think that either. I'm absolutely going to tell you do not do it right now. You are not getting the right value. It's September. We have a long ways to go. You might, the Bucks might start out one in four the first two weeks and you immediately get a better number. There's so many different reasons you can wait and get a better number here. Giannis's MVP odds jumped yeah, I was up. Bring that up too. What's the number? So, plus five fifty bet MGM. Shorter at some some places in the market. Do you have the before on that one? Was that like a plus seven hundred range? Yeah, that's where it was at. So, do you think that Giannis has a better or worse chance of winning MVP today than he did yesterday? Worse, but the odds got shorter. That's right. <laughs> so, which is which is precisely what we're saying. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree. Make the case, and then I'll respond. Why do you think the odds of him winning are worse today? Expectations are the name of the game here. Yeah. Um, when Giannis won in 2019, they were the young, up-and-coming squad, and it was like, oh, they might be good this year, and then they were great. They were immediately like a title contender, made the conference finals, should have beaten the Raptors. Hate you, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, then, 2020, <laughs> right, he comes back, and he's even better. And the Bucks are even better. And so they beat expectations again. Um, Nikola Jokic, 2021, 
it was like, oh yeah, like the Nuggets are good. Like Jokic is good. Oh, like Jokic is like one of the best players in the league. It, the performance versus market really does matter. We talked about this in almost all of the episodes we did on how to bet these awards. <laughs> 55 and a half is the win total. Like, what what are we talking about here? If Giannis puts, like, is he going to put up better scoring than he did last year with Dame taking the kind of usage that he will? No. Like, he'll be a better defender. He might be a more impactful player, which I think will probably, like, that might get tricky, right? Like, there might be a, a point in the season when I'm like, look, he's number one in EPM for a team that's going to win 60 <laughs> games. But, like, that's what we're talking about here is he's going to have to absolutely dominate in all of the other areas without having the ball as much. Have his best shooting season that he's had at least since 2021. And then on top of it, they're going to have to win. They, I think realistically, you got to win 60 games. I'm not like, I would just take the all over if you think that Giannis can win MVP. You should just take the all over on, mm. on the Bucks at 60 wins, which I don't think you should do that. But like, that's <laughs> that to me is a better play given what we're kind of talking about in regards to these mechanisms. And even then, like, think about it, Brandon, they're plus 170 to win 60 plus games that's, at a book. That's what I was going to say is, is that may not be, that may be the more likely outcome, but you're not going to get odds on anymore. Plus, plus 170 or 60 is insane to win 60 that's, games. It's <laughs> crazy. So uh, this is absolutely no way for me. The other thing is just, there will be a section of voters that are just going to be like, yeah, no, Giannis is awesome. He's the best player in the sport. Like, they may come around to that again if Jokic has a down year. But they'll still be like, but he's got Dame. Yeah. Like, he's got Dame. It, it It's not the same as when Steph had, had Curry, or when Steph had KD and KD had Steph. But I think there's a similar effect. I think it's hard to gain traction when, if you say... Like, if you ask who's the best player on the Bucs, everyone's going to say Giannis. There's no question. Giannis is the best player on the Bucs. But, like, having another top five guy or top ten guy is going to make that a lot harder. I do not see a scenario of Giannis being rewarded with MVP. Yeah, I don't think I like MVP. We talked about on the on the MVP podcast, podcasts plural, a couple two and a half hours for you, so you can catch all the extra details there already on the feed at buckets. But yeah, I it's a fine tricky dance because you get the better teammate, you have a better team, you win more games, and we know winning more games historically is helpful for winning MVP, unless you're Joel Embiid or Russell Westbrook, that doesn't matter. But otherwise, winning games, great, but. Winning games, we can give credit to the other guys now. Like, we can give credit to Dame. We might give credit to Adrian Griffin a little bit. Maybe they do some new coaching things and schemes and whatever. Like, I don't know who's going to get credit. We might give some credit to Brooke Lopez. Maybe he actually wins Defensive Player of the Year or is right there again. Like, there's other (laughs) credit to to a Chris Middleton renaissance. Like, there's a lot of other reasons that we can give credit to in a weird way why I was high for many years as Giannis as the default MVP choice is because we couldn't do that. It had to be him. He was the reason Milwaukee was the juggernaut. It was very clearly, that was it. That was the reason. And now we don't really have that anymore. Like if you think back to, you know, LeBron with the heat won MVP twice uh, when he had Dwayne Wade. And by the end of that, Dwayne Wade wasn't quite Dwayne Wade anymore, but LeBron was LeBron and LeBron like, lapped the field to win the MVP. 
I think that's the expectation you have to have for Giannis at this point. I think he has to lap the field. And why I'm not willing to just rule out is what's interesting with Giannis and the style of player he is, it's very possible to me that doing 15% less offensively re-unleashes all the other Giannis stuff that quietly hasn't been as good in the regular season the last few years. Like you'll get the advanced metrics and all the the DPMs and DEPMs and all that. They've all dropped. He's not really defending night to night in the regular season like he has, like he can be able to. Maybe he can now. Like maybe, maybe he can be unleashed as weirdly the second banana type player where Dame is the first banana offensively and Giannis can be like the thing we always talk about Anthony Davis being of like the second guy, if he actually was the thing, to do all the other stuff and the rebounds and the defense and all the scoring and be more efficient because he doesn't have to like take 18-foot elbow jumpers and all that kind of stuff now. Like there's a world where Giannis's scoring drops three or four points, but his efficiency metrics skyrocket again to where he's been. That We've seen that. We've seen that world from him. So I think it's in play. I don't want to bet it, and I definitely don't want to bet it at this short of a number. Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's about Portland? So um, with Portland, the rebuild's on, right? They, they finally get to move on. Um, the What's going to make this trade good or not for them is going to be two questions. One, can they basically rehabilitate DeAndre Ayton's value? Can they make him like, does he, after not being in Phoenix where he didn't want to be, where he felt so betrayed, does he re-engage? Does Ayton come with like a fresh attitude of like, no, I'm like a really good player. I can be great and embrace this opportunity. Cause I think having him for Scoot is great. You put him immediately at Scoot and Ayton in them in a one five. And I'm like, okay, that's immediately. I'm like, this makes sense. You got Shaden yeah. and Simons spacing the floor. That's fun. It's fun. And it makes sense. And it's a good building block for, for Scoot to get uh, to, to start getting reps. Right. Um, the second thing is the Drew holiday trade. There's Adrian Mozarowski is right, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, late Wednesday afternoon, early evening, East coast time. Uh, Woj has already said that they're, they're active in communications. Like Drew's going to go somewhere. And what they get for Drew will determine whether or not this is a better or worse deal than what they would have gotten from Miami. We'll talk about Miami later, but like that's going to determine the value of this trade. Um, I do think the first thing, like I don't know what we like if we if you want to talk about the basketball side, we can. But for Portland, I'm, I don't think that it necessarily changes much of what we expected. Like, yeah, they're going to be bad. Scoot's going to get a lot of reps. Scoot's going to be awesome. Uh, you have been screaming to the mountaintops and I have been right there with you that bet Scoot Henderson for rookie of the year before the Dame trade. My question for you, I think it, it, we can talk about the basketball side for, let's do that first. Yeah. Do you have stuff you want to talk about on the basketball side or can we get into Scoot? I, I like the trail, whatever they get for Drew Holiday. I already think this is a better offer than any of the other offers they were getting. DeAndre Aiden, who I have dumped on for his entire career is a quality 
good starting center, age 25, who is durable and stays pretty healthy and entering his prime on a fine contract. That's a valuable player. It's better than any asset that Miami was offering. And all three picks that they're getting from Milwaukee in 2028, 29, 30 are very valuable right now because Giannis will be older. Dame will be much older. Giannis might not be there anymore at that point or Dame for that matter. Like those are three very valuable picks. Those three picks in Aiton alone make this a good trade. And they get off of Nurkic's salary, which should have cost something like that's part of the trade. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them effectively get this haul again for Drew Holiday in a deal. Like there's already talk of, well, maybe Miami can just offer all the same stuff for Drew Holiday. And I don't think that's enough either, frankly. But like Drew and Aiton and three really good picks and getting off of Nurkic's salary, I thought this was an outstanding haul for the team. Adding Aiton to Scoot long-term for the team I like. I don't think I love Simons and Shaden both long-term, but that's fine. We don't need to worry about that this year. Just quickly, just in case, A, is there any chance that there's not a Drew Holiday trade that emerges and they end up keeping him? I don't really mind that next to Scoot and in that lineup as a veteran guy. I think Drew would accept that role if he needed to. If Drew stayed and now you got Scoot, I'm going to say Simon's maybe off the bench. So Scoot, Drew Holiday, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, Dan Rayton, Drew Holiday off the bench, and nothing else if you look at the bench. It is nothing. Is that a possible play-in team? Is there any reason to talk about that team? No, no. Um, <laughs> like, if, if you get to that spot, you're you're shutting down Drew anyway. Um, I, one thing we got, I got to do, it's going to take some time. I got to go back and look at what is the over-under performance of teams with a rookie point guard playing the majority of, of starting. Yeah, it's not, it's right? not great. <laughs> it, it's, it's a, we, we know year after year, I have loved to bet against the young teams or teams with young handlers. That's like a go-to thing. So right. there, there's a chance, especially if, if Drew stays on enough that we get a win total and he's staying into the season, then this probably becomes an underplay because I think they like raise the ceiling enough on the win total. No one in the league expects Drew Holiday to, to be there past yeah, I don't the think third month of the season. Like, in, in part, this is – look, you, you can talk about, like, well, they didn't do Dame right because they didn't send him where they where he wanted. But, like, in reality, the part of this is just they're going to want to do the right thing. But, like, Drew wants to compete for a yeah, title. for sure. They sent Dame somewhere where he can win a title. Drew wants to compete for titles. They'll send Drew somewhere where he can compete, um, even but if it's me- like a mechanic wise, Mechanics-wise in a trade – can Drew be traded again with other stuff before December 15th? Or is that going to be a possible issue? No, uh, he can be included with other stuff because he's on contract. There's no, there shouldn't be a restriction on him. Okay. So Yeah. So he's, can, there's really no reason that he should be around yeah, them. Right. So I'm worried about okay. it. Um, no, no more basketball for Portland. Let's talk about the, the betting angles then. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest thing I think is anybody who did not bet Scoot Henderson when you told them to, when we did how to bet rookie of the year, that number has plummeted predictably. And now rookie of the year stands at plus 300 at our partner, bet MGM. We talk a lot about this. And when we do game betting, we'll tell you'll hear this from buckets all year long about how I'm averse to chasing steam. Uh, This is a good, a good question of it. Do you feel comfortable chasing steam at this point on Scoot Henderson? Uh, That is the best number on the market right now. The plus 300 it's as close as 200 in some other places. 
let me be very clear. I absolutely still think Scoot is going to be Rookie of the Year. Of course, I like this better now than I did before because Dame is officially not on the team anymore. I still want Scoot. I still, if I had to, would take a Scoot plus 300 ticket if I didn't have one. But I don't have to because I can wait and get a better price later. So I think you cannot chase the steam right now. We're now low enough in a world where Chet Holmgren exists and Wemanyama exists. We're going to have a moment, whether it's in a preseason game or early in the year or like a, a crazy week by Chet Holmgren or a night where Wemanyama blocks eight shots. Like the other two players in this race are going to be important and popular enough that the odds now, now that they're so close with three close together and Scoot's not the value of the three, there's going to be a night or a week or something where one guy will be the new favorite now, or the, the buzzy guy, and then the other odds will slip. So, I yes, theoretically, I would st- if I could only make one bet, it has to be right now. It can't be before, and it can't be after. I still think Scoot's a value at plus 300. But the after exists, I can bet later, and I think I'm going to wait and add to the position later at a better number, not chase the steam now. If you already bet it, wait for a better number and bet it again. If you haven't bet it, you can wait and get a better number. If you're yep. only going to bet once, bet it now is what is is your advice. If you're only going to bet it once and don't want to wait or shop around, you can bet it now. But I still think you should wait and bet it at a better number later because it's good. We're going to have a better chance at it. I, I don't see a scenario with Wemby and Chad existing where we get like three weeks in and it's just like, oh my gosh, yeah, Scoot is the, uh, is the rookie of the year minus 500. Like we're not, we're not going to get there unless like Wemby and Chad both get hurt long-term. Otherwise, that's it. Um, most improved player, we got a bunch of candidates maybe on the Blazers. We got Dan Rayton. He could be most improved. Jeremy Grant was already in it before. Uh, Anthony Simons, he's got shortish odds. Do you like anyone here for most improved? We did most improved earlier this week because ironically we were waiting for the Dame trade. Um, so we did that yesterday. Thanks uh, to everyone involved there. Um, I do. So we talked about like, you were like, can they be like a play in tournament team? And the answer I don't think is, I don't, I think is no. no. Is there a, like, here's the, the kind of the parlay you have to, you have to do with, with Aiden. It's one, Aiden plays really well when he gets there. Like basically not being coached by Monty Williams and not being on a team that he's been frustrated with improves him. And then on cross it, we kind of set the bar ish between like 32 and 35 wins for most improved. Like you need to be, you don't have to be good. You don't even have to be 500. You just can't be terrible. And so like the question here though, I, I, I want to bet Aiden, but I don't have any reason to think like, doesn't Portland just reposition by January to full on tank to get another guy? Like, what what evidence do I have that Portland is going to try and win 35 versus 30 games this season? Um, is, is Chauncey Billups trying to keep his job? Is that evidence? Because I feel like if they bought him out again, that's probably it for him. I don't, I don't know that he gets that call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure he does either, but that's, that's the best I can come up with uh, is, is we want to look good and show that we're a winning franchise and Scoot's our guy and 
the the Pistons thing, the Timberwolves end of season thing where they're like, we're winning games. Yay. We're going to move this into next year. Is is that a Blazers-y thing? No, not with where they're at. And because if you have the chance to add another top five guy next to Scoot, you do that. Like that's more valuable for you. They get to be patient now, you yeah. know? Um, and so is there a, is there a world where they win 32 games and Deandre Aiden absolutely smashes? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And like the numbers are really outrageous on him. Like it's a hundred to one and it kind of makes me want to bet it. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably let me put it this way. I'll probably throw like a half a unit on it, but that's not a serious bet I'm going to make in the awards market. Yeah, it's it's a pass for me. I don't see it with Aiton or Simons. I, I don't see it. We talked about like the numbers boost you need. We talked about the win boost. It's not impossible. Like I agree with mostly what you just said. I just don't see enough avenue to, to need to bet it seriously. I couldn't believe this. Phoenix <laughs> got upgraded. <laughs> like the the thought process... One bookmaker sent out a, a release and it was talking about how they added multiple rotation players. And I get it. Um, they do pick up Nurkic to replace Aiton. They get Grayson Allen from the Bucks. They pick up Nasir Little and Keon Johnson from the Blazers. Those last two, I think, are like sneaky. Kind of like those guys. Yeah, I agree. Like, kind of like that. Those are like, the, like Nasir Little may, will. <laughs> one of like Nasir Little, Kata Bates Diop, um, Drew Eubanks, one of those guys will be like the hustle athletic machine yep. that you want. And you'll be like, you know, is that a really good season yep. for Phoenix? Like, we'll be talking yep. about one of those guys. Now, Nas Little um, is going to be the small ball center, and everyone's going to fall in love with the small ball lineup with Nas. I, I already have that earmark, but that's not enough to win the trade because, oh my goodness, did they lose the rest of the trade? Well, it's weird because it's like, look, Aiden literally like wouldn't try on rebounds in a conference final semifinals matchup versus Jokic. Um, and that was really frustrating for Suns fans. A lot of this is, I do think that that part of the equation with Aiden was he played so well versus Nikola Jokic two years ago when they didn't have Jamal Murray. And they were very much like, I think some of it was like, well, look, he does match it. Like Jokic talked about it. He's like, he's a really tough matchup for me. Because Jokic isn't prideful. So he's like, yeah, no. The problem is just, this is the the issue, is Jokic figures everybody out. He figures everybody out after about, you beat him three times, the fourth time he's going to kill you. Like, that's just the way that it goes, because Jokic is the best player on the planet. And he evolved way past that, right? But, like, even with the effort issues, and even with all the things that were frustrating, like, Aiton is objectively a better player than Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic hasn't played more than 56 games since 2019. Um, use of Nurkic routinely has like minor injuries that tend to hold him out for durations of time. Um, yeah. use of Nurkic is extremely foul prone when he's not able to bully the matchup. Like he fouls out in lightning speed versus Jokic. That's not like I, you, I would, if I am trying to, to build a team to go up against Jokic, there's nobody, no center I want there. There's no center I want there. Like Wendell Carter Jr. is the closest I can get to because his specific combination of skills has given Jokic issues. Clint Capella is like second. But like Aiton is a lot closer to what I want in that matchup than Yusuf Nurkic is. And that's before we get to the regular season problems. 
his post-ups have never been efficient. He's not a good pick and roll partner. Like this to me is a down, like I downgraded the Suns on this move because I think Aiden is still a positive player, especially with the kind of talent that they have around him. I get like Grayson Allen's a rotation guy. They have a bunch of different dudes that they can fill into that, that the fifth guy, right? Like they have a bunch of different guys that they can put in the corner, whether it's Eric Gordon, Kata based the op, he shot 40% from three last year or now Grayson Allen. Like they have a lot of options, which I think is good, but I still think this is a downgrade overall based off of the fact that they just poison the well too much with Aiden. Yeah, this this for me is a significant downgrade. And I think of all the teams we're talking about, this is the clearest one for me. So we talked about Little, we talked about Keon Johnson, I guess a little bit. Like Keon's a good energy guy. <clears throat> These are good young guys. Like they go into the mix of Yuta Watanabe and, and Keita Bates Diop and the other guys that were like, yeah, okay, let, let's see what we get. And you get they have like eight of those dudes now. So like three of them probably pan out. Grayson Allen does not move the needle for me in the least bit on this team. And that's not just because he has the most punchable face in the world, which he does. On this team, there's like this hilarious progression of players. And the first one's a bit of a stretch, I know. But if you think of like Kevin Durant and all the stuff that he does well, and then make him like a little smaller and a less Durant. Now we made Devin Booker. And then make Devin Booker like a little bit less. We made Bradley Beal. Then we make Bradley Beal like a little bit more injury prone and a little older and worse. We made Eric Gordon. And then we take Eric Gordon and like make him worse at everything. And we made Grayson Allen. It's the exact same player, the exact same archetype of like shooty hoops guy. And we just keep adding worse and worse versions of all of them. We started with two really good ones. And we're like, let's add Beal. That's the same. Let's add Eric Gordon. There's more of that. And now we added Grayson, which I know is not the point of the trade, but like, I don't even think that helps the depth that much to, to me. Aiden to Nurkic though, is, is it not a small downgrade. It, it's a downgrade at everything. I truly... I don't know what I can tell you that Yusuf Nurkic is better at than DeAndre Ayton. Here's, here's the numbers, basically. From last year, DeAndre Ayton was something like an 18 and 10 guy. Nurkic, 13 and 9. So we gave up some points. We can make that up on this team. We got worse at rebounding. Not great. We need some rebounds on this team. That was already a problem. Defensively, DeAndre Ayton has played center for a top seven defense two years in a row. Hey, guess who's not been top seven at defense the last few years? The Portland Trailblazers. They're like 50th in defense the last two years. Jurkic has been terrible. So we gave up defense, the thing Phoenix needs more than anything. We give up rebounding and size, the rebounding size at least together. That's a thing they need. Dan Rayton plays about 2,000 minutes a year. Nurkic is more like 1,500 or less. We gave up 500 minutes of a good player, the fourth best player on the team. Like, we, we got to replace that now with one of these other random dudes. That's worse. We gave up durability. Nurkic, you said 2019 was the last good season. Well, guess why? Partly because he's older, but because he had a devastating injury and then has never quite been the same player after. That's not his fault. That's just the reality. DeAndre Ayton is a 25-year-old player entering his prime, 65% true shooting last year versus 58 for Nurkic. And guess what? Would have gone up a bunch this year with all those guys next to him. Uh, 1.5 BPM to basically zero for Nurkic. Like, I don't even know that I grade Nurk as a starting center. He's like on the very low end, 25th best-ish range. Like, with, with centers, you either have like a super-duper star, top three to five guy, worth all the money. And then there's like a next 10 to 12 
of pretty good guys, of which I think Aiton is near the back of that group. And then there's like centers 15 through 40 that are just like, yep, let's try to get a couple of those guys and like have a few options and put them in the mix. And Nurkic is like in the middle or somewhere of that range. And it's a big downgrade. And I hate this for Phoenix. I understand it breaks up the contract. I think it opens the door for other stuff later. I don't know yeah. if Nurkic is on the team in the playoffs. But right, right now, I-, I cannot believe that the win total went up. I love the under anyway, and I love it even more now. So I'm betting the Suns under right now. I'm not going to bet it. I, I think I'm, I I agree with you that the number is too high because they upgraded it. Like I, It's going to be tough for me to say no, but I think I'm still going to stay away because of the variance. In in Nurk's defense, which this is rare for me, but that's how how hard you just went on him. Um, he's Portland's defense was four points better per hundred possessions last season with him on court than off. They went from one eighteen, which was just uh, I cannot put that into words, um, to one fourteen, which is not good, but it's also like all right. And then uh, he was seventy ninth percentile in defensive EPM, so like. I, I think there are ways to make it work. I don't necessarily lo- like I would be putting Bradley Beal and use of Nurkic in pick and roll every single time. Like that's what I would be doing if I were a playoff team that had the right combination of players to do so is I would just put Nurk and Beal in pick and roll every single time and try and space Katie as much out to the floor as possible. Uh, another thing will be like, look, there was a lot of, a lot of discussion was Nurk's attitude in Denver was terrible. He was, he went, he got up and left the bench, the game entirely. He left the arena because he was not getting playing time. And that was early in his career. He's made a lot of money since then. Um, but there was a lot of, of thought in Portland that like, yeah, he's been really good because Dame's in his ear all the time. And maybe KD and, and Booker and those guys like really embrace him and bring him in. And maybe be able, you know, it's part of that too. And, and it could definitely work. And maybe Nurk is just, he's just older now. And so he's outgrown a lot of that. Um, but it's just at least something worth mentioning. I would definitely lean under. I don't think I'll bet it, but I think I'll, I'll definitely lean under. And I think that you should stay away from like it is with Milwaukee, uh, but more so because we do think that Milwaukee got an upgrade. Like they deserve an upgrade, just not as much of one as they got. And they were starting yes. from two high position the Suns have gotten a similar upgrade and we don't even agree with the notion of the upgrade. Like this should be a downgrade. Let's talk Miami before we get out of here. Um, rough, rough day for the old heat culture. Um, like I thought it, I thought it was 70% on Monday. I thought it was 70% Miami. And this morning I would have, if you asked me, I would have been like 85. Like I really thought mm-hmm. it was, it was done. One, that's a credit to Milwaukee, who, um, as I start to piece things together, it sounds like what happened was last Thursday, while all the Raptor conversations were going on, Milwaukee got involved in planted seeds and said, come back to us if you don't think the Toronto stuff is going to work. It didn't. And I think the last night they kind of snuck in under the radar and got this deal done and it's a credit to them that they did it so quietly like there was some scant mentioning of milwaukee but it was not really on the radar um so a very good job by milwaukee's front office miami on the other hand is in my opinion this is my read on the situation i wouldn't say that they're innocent victims but i would say that they were not complicit in the efforts of dame's representation to poison the well so Dame's reps did what they their job is to do is Dame said, I want to play in Miami. That's where I want to go. So his agents did what you do to do that, which is you tell everybody else, if you trade for my client, he will not show up for training camp. He'll make your life a living hell. 
Uh, I've talked about repeatedly on the show how nobody believes that. No, nobody's ever believed that because that's not the way that Damian Lillard is wired. Um, there was always a risk. What I did hear, I heard this last week, and I heard it again over the weekend, that the number one team Miami was worried about was Milwaukee. Uh, that I think is very interesting. Milwaukee, like Miami knew that Milwaukee was going to try and make a play. And so they miss out. And now, quite honestly, local media has started shifting over the weekend to like, it'll be fine if Dame doesn't come. This team's better. Look, they made the finals and they're going to pin themselves to that. And look, we doubted the heat along the way. We definitely did. I'm not saying we didn't. Right. But this is still a team that was three minutes from being eliminated in the play in tournament. They were three minutes from being eliminated in the second play-in game for the eighth seed. They were at, down. at home after they at lost home. a home game with three minutes to go. They pull that out, and then look, Giannis gets hurt, but they they beat the Bucks. That Bucks team was ripe for an upset. We didn't get. I'm really mad. We never got a chance to do the one eight because of how the timing is with the weekend yeah. games with the play-in. Because you and I both would have been like Miami plus two and a half. Yeah, like, or at least I would we, we were saying all spring, like this team is dangerous. You do not want to have to deal with the heat. They're always going to punch above their weight. Like that's that's yeah. the thing with them. We, now I will say, like we thought, I thought they would punch above their weight but lose. Agreed. I, I absolutely did too. I would never have expected them to beat Milwaukee. I came on our podcast after they went Miami went up one zero, and I literally said the thing I'm least concerned about about all the game ones is anything we saw from Miami. They're fine. Yeah. It's fine. Milwaukee will roll. I was totally wrong. Yeah. We underestimated Miami while overestimating what the market thought of them. We we did both. <laughs> right. So they lose Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. And now the, the Miami local line is like, oh, now you think these are good players? Like, I thought those guys <laughs> were good players before. I had Gabe, when I looked at the free agency market this summer, knowing that Kyrie Irving was going to go back to Dallas, like Gabe Vincent was the number one point guard on my list outside of Fred Van Vliet, who I thought was going to Houston. It was like Kyrie... Fred Van Vliet, Gabe Vincent. Okay. I think Gabe Vincent's good. He's a quality shooter that defends at a high level. Max Struess, he could be bodied, right? You get him in the right matchup and he could be okay defensively. He's not like universally bad. He's just outmatched by anybody with size. Good shooter though. Like great shooter. Help them win all these series. Those are key missing pieces. Yes, they have Jovic stepping up. And yes, they, they drafted Jaime Hawkes, who everybody's super high on. And those guys might absolutely pop. I'm open to that. But I'm just like, Jimmy's 34. Like Jimmy's 34. There's still a lot of thought they're going to trade Kyle Lowry. How do you like, does Tyler hero really put this behind him? All of this after all of this, Tyler hero just puts it behind him. Maybe, maybe he cultures that strong. Maybe this is where he culture shows up. Um, the, the, the market predictably has reacted to this as we knew that it would, which I think is at least like a little bit interesting. Um, I initially, I don't necessarily like the heater still minus one ninety to win the Southeast division. I bet the, the Hawks at yeah. roughly this number before at plus two twenty five. So I think there's a little bit of value there. I don't want to go too overboard in betting the heat. There was movement on their win total, like we thought it was, it went from 48 and a half in the market to an average of 45 and a half, which that's in a range that I don't think I want to get involved in. 
Uh, I don't think I have like a very strong position on what I want to do with Miami. Um, I have them at 44 wins right now. So that's not enough for me to really feel like I want to bet this. Cause like if Hawkes and Jovic do play well and Josh Richardson does play like he did in Miami. Yeah. This team could like, maybe the defense gets back together and this team looks like a 48 to 52 win against him again. They still have a great coach and they got Jimmy Butler. Who's amazing. And Bam Adebayo. Um, but certainly, like, this is a disaster for Miami, and don't believe anybody that positions it as otherwise. They let those guys walk because they were setting up everything to get a deal done because they thought they had the inside track. And yep. Dame's representation pushed too hard and made it to where Portland, we can argue about which was the better deal. Ultimately, relationships in this league matter, and the well got so poisoned that Portland was willing to do a deal with just about anybody because of how they felt about how they're being backed into a corner to send him to Miami. Okay. I got a lot to respond to, but I know we got to wrap up. So number one, we can't argue about who is the better deal. Every asset that the Blazers got from Milwaukee is better than anything that Miami could offer them. Drew Holiday, better than everything Miami could offer, even though they might actually do that swap, which we need to talk about briefly. Don Rayton, I think still better than anything Miami could give. The picks, better than anything Miami could give. Better than the young guys, but better than all of it. It's not comparable. They blew the offer out of the water. Miami fans, you are delusional if you think that these offers are comparable or you have the clearly better offer. You don't. Drew Holiday and DeAndre Ayton are really good NBA players on proven winning rosters. Tyler Hero ain't around for the time you just made the finals. You can't even do that one on me. I don't think it's even remotely comparable. I'm with you on Struce Vincent, Oladipo. I don't love the guys, but they're minutes. They, they, they were spots in the lineup. They lost them and added nothing but Jason Richardson, Thomas Bryant, I guess. And like the Miami never ending factory of high Smith and, and Orlando Robinson, all the guys like that. He will do the thing that he will stick around. I'm worried. You remember a couple of years ago coming off of the other finals run that the heat did have, which existed. I was all about Miami to miss the playoffs. I got to do it again because I see right now in the East, Five teams, Boston, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Philly for now, and the Knicks, clearly better than the Heat. That's right, Knicks, clearly better than the Heat, all five of those. That means Miami's the sixth seed at best, which is the only spot left that's not in the play-in. They were a play-in team last year. Their roster is worse. I don't know how to make it any clearer than that. They were a play-in team that could have been eliminated there and very closely did, and their roster is worse. And... Their roster is older with all injury prone dudes and their roster just came off a prolonged, grueling playoff run with like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry who have infinite mileage on them. And now that carries into the season. I cannot feel good about the heat where they're at. I think you have to look at them to miss the playoffs. I don't want the over under. I push back on your 48 to 52. I do not see that as a possibility for this team. But I want them to miss the playoffs. I like your Hawks bet. That was the one you had going into it. Uh, by the way, Cavs to win the division, I think is a nice angle. I see a plus 360 with the Bucks odds kind of moving up that way. I think that one's still pretty close there. Here's my question. Do I do any of the heat fades now or do I have to wait? Because isn't just Miami the most likely team to do the exact same offer they wanted to do? and be the team getting Drew Holiday, 
who I kind of really like on this roster, kind of maybe somewhat better fitting for who they are and heat culture and defense and all the things they do. I feel like, t- to me, my takeaway from this trade, I-, I put this on Twitter earlier. I think the winner of the trade is whoever gets Drew Holiday. I think the winner is to be determined still. Drew Holiday is the piece that's going to swing the title race, I think, in a more significant way than anything else. And I think that could still be Miami. So what do you think about the Drew Holiday market? Okay, there's a couple things. One, um, I think it'd be, I put this out on Twitter that they should offer the same trade for Drew Holiday. They should just take all the, like, offer them the same kind of stuff. It'd be really funny. I also just, I genuinely don't know if, I, I, I don't know if they're going to pick up the phone. I, I think Portland, not necessarily. Uh, which, who, which who's not picking up the phone? Portland. I think that it's not necessarily Joe Cronin. I think there are people in the Blazers organization that do not want to do a deal with Miami period and don't want to help them under any circumstances. Again, I don't necessarily know that Miami was like all that complicit in this. They probably could have done more to probably request to Dame's representation to not go so hard because but that was the only way the deal was going to get done because of what Miami was offering. They could have offered their stuff. They could have been like, let's be honest with ourselves. We're getting Dame. Here's the actual stuff we can offer. Oh, no, no, no. We got to keep back Jovich. We, we got to keep well, one of our... They could offer the actual deal. Well, I will say this. They didn't get the chance to. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> Portland told them, like, they, they went to them at, at Summer League. This has already been reported places. And we're like, what do you want? And Portland's like, Put together an offer and we'll see if it's enough, which is what they should have done. They should have just been like, you go do the work and we'll do it. I, I, I believe that Portland probably, or that Portland probably took the Phoenix conditions from a framework that Miami had suggested. I think Miami called Phoenix to be like, Hey, what if you sent Aiden and we'll send you Caleb Martin. And I think Portland took that and then incorporated it into other t- conversations. Um, my understanding is that, and this could be wrong, but this is my understanding right now is that Miami did not get a call, a final call. They didn't talk to them. That, like, there wasn't like, hey, this is the offer from Milwaukee. What, what's your counter offer? That didn't happen. They just took the deal, which that indicates, like, that does indicate <laughs> a level of we don't, we choose not to do, do do business with you. Like, relationships matter, right? And so what I mean by that is, like, I don't know if they're willing now to turn around and give them Drew Holiday. I don't know if they're willing to help them after that. That's, like, mm-hmm. an interesting question to kind of debate. Maybe so. It'd be, I agree, it'd be a really good fit. Um, you know, Drew was still 94th percentile in defensive EPM last season. Offensively, he's still a hit or miss. I think you're overestimating him a little bit as much as I love Drew and think he's one of the Fair. best people in the league. Um, it, it, it's think, a team building thing for me. It's, it's not individually. It's that like, he's a guy that is a better than the sum of the parts guy. And especially for, well, for, for a LeBron team, for example, for, for the team that has, the lead handler and that has a Giannis that can do the Giannis stuff at the end of the game too, and doesn't need a point guard to do that. Then I love the fit there to just come in and yeah. do all the other Drew Holiday stuff. Like that's why we always want him on the, the USA team, the, the Olympic team and all that stuff because of those things. So can, can I throw out a few Drew Holiday trade destination ideas? Yes. All right. So you're going to hear about Clippers, Lakers, I don't really know what the deal is there, but they're going to be in the mix. I don't have a deal for it. Philly is going to be an option. James Harden, I don't really know. Like, it makes sense. I don't have deals for them. Here's a few interesting ones I came up with. Would Minnesota 
trade Mike Conley and I assume Jaden McDaniels. All in, put Drew next to Ant. You got Drew and Gobert and Cat. What do you think about Minnesota as an option? What does the deal look like? I think it probably has to be Jaden McDaniels. That's really the only piece left. And then I assume Conley oh, no. because you're no replacing. That's absolutely a no for them. That's a no. For Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota says no. Yeah, I, like, I think so too. Yeah, can't do it. All right, Golden State. Would they trade either CP or Clay? And presumably Jonathan Kuminga, maybe Moody, some of the young pieces. There's been your holiday rumors before. Would they bring him in? They work too hard to get everybody on the same page. Um, Kerr's already talking up Kaminga in preseason talks. Um, they genuinely feel like last year was just Wiseman pool. And I think that they think that they're going to bounce right back and they've got Chris Paul and we'll find out more about why you agree with them. Um, I don't think that they <laughs> want to disrupt things as close to camp. So no. Okay. I got two more, not really a title mover as much, but could we, could you and I strike lightning a bottle twice? Could we get a Donovan Mitchell second year in a row type thing? How about Indiana? How about Indiana trading like Matherin Buddy's contract? Something like that. And now we got Halliburton, Drew Holiday. We're not going to win the title. Doesn't swing the odds. But man, for our overs, we'd love it. Nope. Nope. They don't want that. Um, they want, they're like they on the right timeline, and they've managed this pretty well. Like Bruce Brown's still pretty young. They don't have, like, Miles Turner is one of their oldest guys. Um, Drew doesn't want, like, I don't think you can ask Drew to play at that pace for the duration of the season. Um, they don't want the money. Yeah. That's the other, that's the biggest factor here is the money. The money is the factor that, that causes the most problems here. You'd also be asking Portland to take on Buddy Heald's contract. Um, the only way that makes sense is if they swap, flop him again. And that puts a lot of pressure on them to get a deal done in four months or losing it. Yeah. Cause you can't give Buddy Heald the extension. That doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> yeah, so I agree. Uh, similarly, I, I had Mark OKC like a giddy package and maybe you bring in Drew for the culture, but I think it's it's not the right timeline. Here's the one I like the best. And I think you've talked about this on Twitter too. Pretty, I don't know how the money works, but pretty close to straight up. Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday. Drew and CJ and Zion, hopefully, and all the stuff. And Brandon Ingram comes back as the wing, face of the franchise, young guy, Portland's got a star. I kind of like that one a lot. What do you think? I mean, I love it, but they're not going to do it because they love Brandon Ingram. And the perception outside of you and I is going to be that Brandon Ingram is like 10 times more valuable than Drew at this point because he's a Shuby Cooper. Like, they're just going to be yeah. in this perception. Like, Brandon's talking about is like, <laughs> like a franchise cornerstone. Like, yeah. I would love it if they moved on from Brandon Ingram because I think that moving him for what you would get would make them better. Um, I think a more a better option is honestly find a third team. You can't send CJ back to Portland. Find a third team to take CJ, and then you absorb Drew Holiday for pick compensation. Like if you sub in, if it's Drew Holiday, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, and or Trey Murphy, uh, Zion, and JV, yeah, I think you're cooking. I think you're absolutely cooking. You've got two plus defenders on the floor at, at all times, and JV that works fine and drop. That defense was good last year. It would be elite with Drew. I love the fit. Um, I don't think it works for Ingram. CJ, I can see it working, but I don't think that they're, mm. the Pels are going to make the move for a number of reasons. Plus, Portland would... The problem is, like, those talks would just fade out because Portland would would have to keep being like, well, give us one of Herb or Trey. And yeah. New Orleans would have to be like, no. And Portland would be like, well, how about Dyson Daniels? And Portland would have to be like, no. Like, they can take Drew, but they can't take Drew for any of the young guys. And those... And otherwise, it doesn't make sense for Portland, right? Okay. I got so, one. so I got, if, I got a discount. If Drew Holiday, and we're not going to do all the teams, but just in general, because I know you're, you're saying that you feel like I'm a little high on Drew Holiday, which I might be. If he goes to then one of the presumed teams, to Miami, to Philly, 
to either Los Angeles team, how much does that move the title odds for you to get Drew Holiday on, presumably without giving up a huge thing? So you're getting a clear upgrade. Drew Holiday's in. Does that move the needle for you on a title race? If he goes to the Clippers, it's gonna make it's gonna make me start to to quake and start moving that back towards maybe I gotta bet him again, which I don't want to do. Um, that to me like makes makes a move. Philly, no, I don't think you have enough, and you got Embiid's still Embiidness in the playoffs. Um, Miami, I'd have to think really hard about. I think that's a big. I think that's a bigger upgrade. That's like a. That's the one where it's like the exponential growth there is huge. Like if you're able to put Drew Holiday on the floor with Bam on a bio, good God. Like <laughs> let alone Jimmy, but like Bam and Jimmy and Drew, there's just so much toughness there. They would be such a beast to deal with again, um, and they're already going to be a pain. I yeah. have a, I have one that's not a, it's not okay. a play. It's, it's not a, it's not a championship contender. So it'd be a little bit screw and drew, but it'd be like, Hey, you get to, you get to make money. And this team is trying to make the playoffs this year. Um, is it Markel, Markel Fultz and Gary Harris for, for drew holiday. I, I had that on the list. I had Orlando young stuff. Like I, again, maybe you're right that they're going to want to do right by drew and like get him to a contender. Drew, everybody loves Drew Holiday. Drew yeah, is a yeah. great dude who's had a championship window. I don't think that he would be a dude that would be like, nah, I'm not playing for Orlando. Like, if that's where he ended up, I have every expectation that he would go, like, be the the classic leader. We'd have all the great stories about how he was helping all the young guys. Like, I would love to have him in that role on that team. That defense would be really good. I'd be very excited about that. I kind of put them into my like timeline doesn't really make sense sort of thing. But like you and I know just because I don't think a timeline makes sense does not mean a trade doesn't happen. Teams do what they do. And if I want to go, <laughs> I'm going to do this to myself. If I were the Timberwolves a couple years ago and I'm thinking I'm a young team, but I need a culture setter. I need some defense. I need like a guy to come in and lead the team. I don't want Rudy Gobert. I want Drew Holiday. Like that's the guy. I'm going to be willing to overpay a little bit and fit the wrong timeline and just come in for like two years and teach us how to win and lead and do all the stuff. I, I think that's a real possibility for him. If, if not, I think he's the kingmaker. Put him in Miami. I'm going to buy your BAM defensive player of the year stock. Put him in the Clippers or the Lakers. I got to look at their title odds. Put him in Philly. Oh my gosh. Maxi for most improved, like Drew and Maxi. Oh, I'm in. I love it. I want the most improved. I might even have to bet title odds or something. I think Drew is the kingmaker in the deal if he goes to the right team. All right, that's going to do it for this emergency pod on the Damian Lillard trade. We'll be back. You're going to get in your feed tomorrow our how to bet win totals, which I now have to record an intro talking about how we didn't talk about this trade when we recorded it. Uh, My thanks to David Payne for producing this on the fly as well as our video producers. Appreciate those guys. We'll catch you guys again tomorrow with another episode. Thanks for joining us. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.